I hadn't, uh, I hadn't seen some family in a couple, uh, <laughs> it seems like a good long while. And my aunt who lives in Kalkaska, she came down uh, to be with my aunt who lives just across the border. Uh, and so we were able to be with them. And uh, we were hanging out and I was looking up into, her, uh, into my Aunt Kathy's cabinet and there were three duck statues. Now, these duck statues don't mean anything to you. They don't mean anything to anybody in the entire world. They only mean something to me. Uh, and I noticed them and I thought, man, those things look very familiar to me. And, uh, and it, then it dawned on me. I said, Kathy, is, are those the ducks that were on top of Nana's, uh, on top of Nana's mantle on her fireplace? Uh, fireplace? And she said, yes. I was like, oh my goodness, I forgot all about those. And then this flood of memories of all of the playing I did with my grandpa in the living room. And my, aunt, or my grandma, she would always, uh, every morning, she would lay out shelled corn. We lived on a river, they did, and I lived next to them. Uh, and the river, there were ducks all the time that she was feeding the shelled corn to. And uh, so I just, it was just this Sentimental moment, doesn't mean anything to you guys. Um, she was trying to pawn them off to me, and, and uh, next time I go up there, I'll probably come back with the ducks. Um, but then there was also the, another touching thing to me that you know, doesn't mean a whole lot to you, but it means a lot to me. And uh, My Nana, she made quilts when she retired. She made me a quilt. She made all the grandkids quilts. And, um, and so my dog tore up my quilt, so I no longer have it. And she, uh, my Aunt Kathy, she had uh, several in storage, and she said, well, Nana would have wanted her great-grandchildren to have the quilts. Uh, and so I want, uh, I want to give you three for your kids, and I want to give you one to replace the one that was ruined. And it's just a quilt. It's just a piece of fabric. But with it are reminders. Um, when I look at it, I can see my grandma making them in her room, and she had spread the quilt out on her bed, and I can remember her just hunched over, and she started getting the quilting back, <laughs> where she'd just hunch over, and that, she'd just work on that, and she did that for 20 years, she made quilts. I don't know how many she ended up making, and, uh, and of course, mine are better than any of yours. My grandma was awesome, and... Uh, uh, but to have that, to give to my children now, uh, something to remember. And I share those stories anecdotally uh, for the purpose of Deuteronomy 6 is about remembering. It is all about remembering what God has done. The Israelites are going to face incredible challenges. Uh, in their own camp, there is division. There's division over, should we go forward or not? Should we stay here? Should we go back? Should we wander back to Egypt? Should we wander back uh, to places that were more comfortable? Can we, face, can we face what is in front of us? Is God really going to go with us? Moses, very early on in his relationship with God, when God is revealing himself to him, uh, he tells him, I want you to be the one that's going to deliver the Israelites, my people, out of Egypt. And Moses has a pretty important question. He says, well, who am I that I, I would be the one that would do this? Why, why am I the one? Who am I that I could do this? 
And God says, I want you to tell them who I am. I am who I am. And what God says to Moses in that sort of up and down relationship where he is filled with self-doubt about his abilities to move, uh, to take an entire nation out of the greatest and mightiest nation of that time, God says to him, I'm the one who's going to go with you. I am the with you sort of God, and I'm going to walk with you. I'm going to help you. I'm going to be there for you. I am going to put the words in your mouth. I'm going to give you the strength you need, and I am going to help you deliver my people out of Israel. He says to Moses, I am the with you kind of God. In Deuteronomy 6, they are finally at the place where they need to start looking back and remembering where they came from, remembering who God is and what he's done. And the challenges that they are going to be faced with are challenges of division and doubt and lack of faith and misunderstanding and infighting and all sorts of problems and issues. And Moses is going to be the one to say, you all need to fix your eyes on God and remember him. Remember him. So in Deuteronomy 6, let's begin our reading today. These are the commands and the decrees and the laws the Lord your God directed me to teach you to observe in the land that you are crossing the Jordan to possess, so that your children and their children after them may fear the Lord your God, as long as you live by keeping all his decrees and commands that that I give you, and so that you may enjoy long life. Hear Israel and be careful to obey, so that it may go well with you, and that you may increase greatly." in a land flowing with milk and honey, just as the Lord, the the God of your ancestors, promised you. Moses knows that going forward, they are going to have to be unified. Whenever you face challenges, we we call it vision. And you talk about organizational leadership, you'll say, you have to have a vision that is great to lead people and bring them forward. And Moses is going to bring a unifying vision for the people of God. This truth that he's about to share with them is going to be the thing that needs to course through the veins and beat in the very heart of the Israelites. If they are going to face the trials and the struggles, if they are going to know that they can be victorious, if they are going to know that they can have the land and inherit it. And so he says this to them, and these words are going to be repeated over and over again, morning, uh, noon, and night. It will be on the lips of the Israelite people. And it's known as the Shema. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts, and press them on your children, talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. When the Lord your God brings you into the land, he swore to your fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, and Jacob, to give you a land with large flourishing cities you did not build, houses filled with all kinds of good things you did not provide, Wells you did not dig, and vineyards and olive groves you did not plant. When you eat and are satisfied, be careful that you do not forget the Lord who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. Moses doesn't want them to forget. 
Things are going to get really great for you all. You're going to have houses that you didn't build, and you're going to have fruit that you, didn't pl- uh, that you never planted. You're going to enjoy these great and wonderful things. Don't forget. Don't forget. So he says, bind them on your clothing. Remind yourselves over and over again. Put it on your walls. Tell your children about it. Don't forget the Lord. Don't forget the one who brought you out of Egypt. Just a second, sorry. I'm not sure. And so we are challenged, reminded and encouraged by this that, that it is easy for us to forget what God has done. And so Moses knows this about the hearts of the Israelites. He has dealt with it too many times. It wasn't much longer after they were out of Egypt that they had crossed the Red Sea that they had already forgotten who the one who brought them out of the mess that they were in. They already were forgetful. And I imagine, you know, just spending time with my uh, 70-some-year-old aunt, maybe 80-year-old, she might be watching, so I should probably not tell their age, but uh, they were forgetting all kinds of things. They couldn't remember what they had for breakfast, but they could remember embarrassing stories about me. Um, So I don't know if you all want to go and interview them or not. My kids got a few of the stories. We have a tendency to forget. We have a tendency to not remember what God has done for us. Moses knows this about the people of Israel, that when times are really good, they may forget. Verse 13 says, Fear the Lord your God, serve him only, take your oaths in his name, do not follow other gods, the gods of the peoples around you. For the Lord your God who is among you is a jealous God, and his anger will burn against you, and he will destroy you from the face of the land. Do not put the Lord your God to the test as you did at Massa. What happened at Massa or Massa? They had this moment where they doubted that God was with them. They had this moment where they doubted that God cared for them and that God would lead them. And it was a place of God where they put God to the test and they doubted him. God is either an I am always with you through everything, thick and thin kind of God, or he's not. And the people doubted that about him and his character. Be sure to keep the commands of the Lord your God and the stipulations and the decrees he has given you. Do what is right and good in the the Lord's sight so that it may go well with you and that you may go in and take over the good land the Lord has promised on oath to your ancestors, thrusting out all your enemies before you, as the Lord has said. So keep the commands. Remember the Lord. In the future, when your sons ask you, What is the meaning of the stipulations, decrees, the law of the Lord our God has commanded you? Verse 20 is something that happens all the time as a parent. Your kids, they'll ask you these questions. Why are we doing this? I love it out of the mouth of a three-year-old. Three-year-olds are really great at asking the question, why? I know as a parent, I loved that season, and I would always give really long explanations hoping that they would fall asleep in my explanation, much like my sermons. 
they never did fall asleep and they would always follow it up with more whys. But there is a sort of rhetorical thing happening here, but what Moses is saying is there will come a time when your children will ask you, why do we, why do we worship God? Why do we follow these laws? Why do we obey the Sabbath? Why do we have no other gods but the God of Israel? They are going to ask the questions because they're going to see their parents following these laws. And when they do, when they do, this is what you say to them. And I wrote in the margin of my Bible because I just saw this in my studies this week and they called it this and I think I love the description. This is the Old Testament gospel. If you want a succinct phrase of what Israelites believed about God and the good news about God for Israel. It's right here in verse 22. Tell him, tell your children, we were slaves of Pharaoh in Egypt, but the Lord, he brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand. And before us, the Lord sent signs and wonders, great and terrible on Egypt and Pharaoh and his whole household. But he brought us out from there to bring us in, And give us the land he promised on oath to our ancestors. The Lord commanded us to obey all these decrees and to fear the Lord our God so that we might always prosper and be kept alive as is the case today. And if we are careful to obey all the law before the Lord our God as he has commanded us, that will be our righteousness. That will be our right relationship with God that we would obey and we would trust and we would remember And so when the children ask, why do you follow the the Lord God of Israel? Why is it the one and only Lord that we worship and we trust and we walk with and we obey? They will tell them the story to remember that the Lord is the one who brought them out of Egypt. That the Lord is the one who brought them out to bring them in. That it was the Lord who looked at them even despite their unfaithfulness and their lack of trust and their sometimes downright stupidity. And there are many failures. God never failed on them, and he was faithful, and he loved them, and he brought them in. That's the Old Testament gospel. And the good news gospel is this, that here, O church, the Lord our God is the Lord Jesus Christ. And he was crucified, and he was resurrected. And there are many apostles, Peter, James, and John, and Matthew, and the Apostle Paul himself, who witnessed the resurrected Lord and walked with him and touched him, and Thomas felt his hand. He was crucified, he was resurrected, and he has ascended, and he is Lord and King. He is Lord of Lords and King of Kings, and you are his. That is the gospel that this King Jesus came to rescue and save, and he brought you out. And the temptations to forget who our Lord is, and the temptations to worship other gods, the temptations to place our hope and our trust in so many other things. When we enjoy all of the things that we have, and we forget to enjoy the one who gave it to us. And so our children, they might ask a question. Why do you go to church? Why are we generous? Why are we kind even when people are unkind to us? Why do we forgive? Why do we take time out of our day to pray? Why do we have scripture on our walls? 
Why do we love the unlovable? Why do we give everything we have like the widow? Why do we take time to be with one another? Why do we take time out of our day to help otherwise perfect strangers but our church family and we help them move, move from house to house and mow their lawn? And Why do we do these things that are kind and gracious and loving? Why do we do them when it would be so much easier to just take care of ourselves? When our children look at us and they look at our faith and our life and they start wondering why we do the things we do, what will we tell them? I think we tell them the old, old story of a Savior and his glory. We tell them of a Savior who came and rescued us and died for us. We tell them the story of this one God, our Lord Jesus Christ, who cares so deeply for you and me. We tell them the old story, the Savior and his glory, and we tell them we love. We love because he first loved us. When Jesus was asked what the greatest commandment was, he repeated the Shema. He said, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And it says, to love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and all of your strength. I dug into that a little bit more, and the more I dug into it, the more I discovered that it was just saying this very simple thing. It was the widow's story. And the Spirit's cool. (laughs) It was this person who loved God with everything she had. And that's our story. We love because He loved us. We give because He's given to us. We bless because He's blessed us. We forgive because He's forgiven. So don't forget, remember what the Lord has done for you. Remember, and maybe it's something that we do, it's a song we sing, maybe whatever it is that helps you remember what the Lord has done. For me, three little ducklings reminded me of the love of my grandma. What reminds you of the love of God that he has for you? Find that and cling to it and let it nourish your soul and strengthen you. To know that you are loved by God. That we might go and love others. And Jesus tells us the second greatest commandment is to love our neighbor as ourself. Go and love and be loved. Remember what Christ has done for you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for Jesus. Without him, we have, we have nothing. And Lord, we pray for your strength today. We pray for your hope and your peace. 
Pray, Lord, that you would forgive us for our forgetfulness. Lord, that as we look to you, as we look to your love, as we look to your grace and your wisdom for each day, as we turn back to you, we ask God that there would be reminders each day and each moment that we are loved. That in each moment in our anxiety and our stress and our feeling overwhelmed about all the different things in front of us, God, that you would remind us of the good news and the gospel story of our Savior and his glory. We love you, Lord. We praise you. We thank you for your hope. Help us to remember. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. As the worship team comes forward, I just simply want to encourage you encourage you to know that you are loved, to remind ourselves of the gospel story over and over again, that we can never share that enough. We have so many challenges and so many things facing us. It is so easy to be divided. It's so important for us to be united. United in Christ, united in what we believe about him and his lordship. And so I'd encourage us to remind us in our, in our life together Keep lifting one another up in love. Thank you, and let's continue in our worship. You can stand with us.